We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati, Thursday mailbag. We're making this a segment. It's almost game day. We'll get to predictions, Super Bowl winners, all of that fun stuff in our next segment. But again, make sure you're following us on Twitter, Bengals underscore Sands, Ellen Diaz Patterson. We are going to ask for your questions on Thursday morning. A lot of offensive line questions. I mean, this will never fail when it comes to Bengals fans, just the NFL overall. But we'll go ahead and get to Mark Young's question over on Twitter. Realistic expectations for this O-line in week one against the best D-line, which we talked a little about in the first segment. Uh, The realistic expectation. um, To me, it's it's a stalemate is what I, I would expect. Uh, like a kind of a little bit of a positive because I do think they have a slight advantage D line to our, to the Bengals offensive line. So realistic expectation is to not get killed and uh, slow everything down. And honestly, I think a stalemate, I think it'll end up being a net neutral. I think Jonah Williams has usually done a good job against Alex Highsmith. Um, Karras is a pros pro. And then you got, uh, I think Kappa matches up well with these guys. I could hopefully I don't get proven wrong. And I think they're gonna give a lot of help against Watt. And in the run game, Collins is a beast. So I'm not too, too worried about that. I'm more worried about if he's one-on-one pass protection. The one issue would be if Volson just completely tanks against uh, Joby and Hayward. You don't want to see that. But otherwise, I'm expecting a, just about a stalemate. I don't think that the Pittsburgh defensive line will kill them. I think it'll be about even. All right, we'll follow it up with Parker's two questions. Predictions for the best and worst player on the offensive line in week one, and does Jackson Carmen work his way back into the lineup? Um, week one, it'd be hard to say. I think Collins is the best player in general, but it'd be hard to say he has the best game when he's going against Watt for a majority of the time. Uh, I'll say I think Jonah has the best game in week one because I do think he's always matched up pretty well with Highsmith. And I, I've kind of talked about who I think might have the worst game would just be, it's so tough for Volson in this first start. I, I'm not expecting too much. I'm just hoping he doesn't tank it really. Um, Jackson working his way back in the lineup. I don't see it. What do you think about either one of those? Yeah, I think you got to go with Volson. And no offense to him. I mean, it's his first game. It's different than college football. You're getting little to to few reps in preseason. Obviously, we've got the chance to see him at left guard. When you think about the competition with Jackson Carmen, I don't even think – I think Zach Taylor was really honest. We talked about it a couple podcast episodes when he says, you know, he likes Jackson, but unfortunately he's a backup guard right now, backup and- on this offensive line. And after sharpening, I, I just don't even see him being the first backup. Like he's probably second, maybe even third if Adenogy's not in there. Like they might opt with him. Yeah, I just don't see Jackson Carmen being an option this season. I know we're talking just days away from the opener and there's a lot of games. And if this team wins and they're playing in January, you're going to need that depth on the offensive line. I just haven't seen anything from Jackson Carmen when it 
comes to training camp, his reps in preseason. I mean, he struggled out there against second to third string guys. I don't know if that's the guy you want out there full time protecting Joe Burrow, even if Wilson struggles a little bit. Um, I could see them picking up another guy on the street to add more depth. But yeah, I, I agree. I don't think Jackson Carmen is your, your backup right now at left guard position. So I don't see that happening now. One of the things you have to think about that I hate thinking about with this offensive line in, in any position with the Bengals or in the NFL is injuries. And you don't want to see any of those with your offensive line or you'll get flashbacks to the Super Bowl and who was protecting Joe Burrow, which is still insane. And that guy should have won MVP for what he did last year with what he was being protected by just in his overall two seasons in the NFL, which is insane. But I'm going to stay with offensive line right now. David Light actually brings up a good question. And I'll give my answer before I let you ask, because I know what I want to say on this. But he said, do you think that Zach Taylor scaled back just a little bit due to bad offensive line play last year? And will we see a more aggressive approach? So me personally, when I look back at last offseason or last season, I felt like it was a no-brainer that Zach kind of wasn't as aggressive because Joe Burrow is just coming back from this horrific knee injury and he's slowly getting them back out there. And then we started to see that as a couple months into the NFL season and Joe was cooking, you know, he had that connection. He had the chemistry with his wide receivers and they trusted what they had. Joe still took way too many hits. He should never take that many in his NFL career in a single season ever again. But I think that was more due to, and it could be 50, 50 to the offensive line, bad play too. But I think, he started to feel a little bit better about Joe coming back from his injury. And that's when they got a little more aggressive on offense. What did you think? Yeah, I think you'll see a lot more <clears throat> of the second half of the year. And I, I think some of this is what I think is it's twofold. The beginning of the year, they were definitely protecting Joe. And then week by week, they'd add a little bit more for him. And then by, I think what it really happened was that second Ravens game was when it really felt like it all opened up completely like the reins were taken off but there was still a little bit of uh, they were being hamstrung a little bit because they couldn't really run any they couldn't really realistically run deep middle of the field concepts consistently they'd try sometimes and even when they'd run some things it would just be three wide receivers and seven man protection so i don't know i i think definitely he had his hands tied behind his back and it was twofold with the injury and the offensive line so I think you'll see a more aggressive approach this season. I think you'll really see is a bit more of a shotgun offense. I think they're still going to keep the under center wide zone because that's just what they believe in for the run game. But I think you'll see more of that second half of the year, the game plans against the Ravens and Chiefs and kind of 49ers, all those teams, except you might be able to hit more middle of the field concepts because you have time for it. Max says, how realistic is it at some point that Zach hands the keys over to Brian Callahan? And you heard Joe Burrow today with Pat McAfee. I thought it was a great interview. He's so honest with people uh, when he does those rare interviews. And he talked about just coming into Cincinnati and to a great situation. He mentioned his relationship with Zach Taylor, Brian Callahan. And I know with Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan, the quarterback coach and Joe, they meet, you know, the Saturday, the Friday before where they're just talking one-on-one -on -one and they're in their group sessions as they're going over the offense and plays that Joe likes plays that his coaches like and they have a great relationship because I don't know how much longer Brian Callahan is going to be on this staff and that's a good problem to have because that means your offense is succeeding you're getting head coaching interviews which could have you know could have happened last year if somebody would have picked him up he's getting those interviews in the offseason too but 
I think that personally, Zach and Joe have a great relationship and Zach is going to continue to be the quarterback of the offensive playbook. That's me personally. What about you? Yeah, I give it like a 1% chance of happening, to be honest. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. if Zach gets run over on the sideline by a player, you know, Brian can take over. I hope don't it doesn't want happen. that to happen. No, there, like, there is a 1% chance that like it's just going so poorly. You've seen like Andy Reid sometimes just go like, I don't know. I'm giving it to um, whoever. Uh, but I, I don't see the offense going that poorly. And I also don't see a player running into Zach. <laughs> I think he's pretty aware on the sideline. He didn't pull the Tom number. He's got his back turned to the kick returner or something. Um, yeah, I I don't see it happening to be honest. Because by the time you might try to do it, I think Callahan's gone, and you're you're talking up a new offensive coordinator. At least that's my opinion. I think I think he has a two year expiration date. I think he I think it'll be this year after this season is when he's probably going to move on and get a head coaching gig. Just because I think the Bengals' offense is going to be really good, and those guys just don't stick around. But if it's not, then it might be the next year. I mean, it could be an Eric Bieniemy situation where he's just there forever, and they well, he doesn't call plays or something like that. But I think he's going to interview well. He's always been, it felt like a good mind in the offensive room. I think the good thing is they they have a great relationship. But do you think that we know that Zach calls plays, and and Zach will will say after a game after a loss. I mean, we heard it after the Super Bowl, we heard it after the Niners game where he regretted his play calling in those games. But don't you think that Joe has a little more say, if not like on a percentage base, most of the say on some of the plays that he's going to go call out there? What, what would you say, Joe? They they trust Joe in in year three. I think he gets more. I think last season it felt a lot like he had the kill with two play options where he, if he gets a bad look, he can kill it to the other one. Um, I think they'll give him more because it seems like they keep talking this up. Like, well, Joe knows this play's not going to work, but last season he didn't know exactly what to get into to make it work. Now I'm thinking, I don't know, this could be wrong, but what I'm thinking is just like he kind of gets the full on he has like four or five plays that he can get to at the line of scrimmage based off the pre-snap look of the defense. Maybe that's wrong. Maybe that's just projecting too much. We'll see just how much he's changing at the line. Is he full Peyton Manning back there or something? But uh, I think you might see a little bit more of that this season than you did last year. We talk about the coordinators still being on staff. And one of the things when you're a good team, your assistants get interviews. Will Lou brings up a point that I don't really hear a lot about over the offseason is how much does losing Al Golden mean to your linebacking room and your defense? It's tough to say. I feel like he's a really good coach, but um, I, I assume he's done some, a great job developing everybody because Jermaine Pratt's become a solid pro. Logan Wilson's a great linebacker. Even the guys that would keep stepping in, Bailey, Johnston, um, Batchy, they all played at a good level, at least for backup starting. It was like, oh, <laughs> he's not bad. Um, so you, you might not be able to buoy the back end of the linebacker. It's not like anybody can step in and be solid, but – it's hard to say just how much of an effect he has uh, when we haven't seen them play without him. So that's something to watch this season. Do all the linebackers take a step back, even with DJ reader and the guys up front healthy, that could be an Al golden hint, like, Oh, he was doing a lot for this, or maybe they play around the same level and really uh, golden already did all the improvements with these guys, got them up to speed. And it's just that when the back 
back-end guys enter, they're not playing as well as they did last season. Yeah, it's hard for me because obviously he's probably a great coach. You get a promotion, you move on for good reasons, but you do have a talented defense that I feel is very, still very much underrated. And then you get Logan Wilson in your linebacker room, and that that has to be pretty nice as a linebacker coach. Uh, Cody brings up a fun question. Who is your second string hero this year? Oh, okay. Um, oh, man. It feels like you have to go D-line with this. Mm-hmm. And um, Osai's the popular answer. And Dax Hill, if you count him, is probably also a very popular answer. I will go with Cam Sample, though, because I thought he had a heck of a preseason. And I just really want to see that guy succeed. You know, he's uh, he's kind of forgotten about, but he's been he was fine last year. And as a rookie fourth round pick, that's awesome. So this season, if he can be kind of like when like Frosty Rucker would come in and he'd play at a pretty decent level and he might get a a splash play, a sack or something. It's just like, oh, yeah, Frosty. Oh, no, Cam doesn't have the uh, as fun of a name. But that's that's kind of what I'm hoping for is like a Frosty Rucker career for my guy Cam Sample. Frosty Rucker had the best NFL name. One day we will do a segment on best NFL names and he and Cincinnati alone, but he just went on to just have, I love it. He should have, should have been like banking on like Frosty commercials with Wendy's. And I don't know if he did, maybe he did at some point, but he had a great name and and I miss Frosty. He was actually in town over training camp and his son was uh, thrown with Jamar Chase. So a little full circle moment. We'll end with this one. Mike, great name. I didn't put his last name, so I apologize, Mike. Sometimes I didn't put your Twitter handles because I didn't want to butcher it. Um, he says the Bengals pass rush versus the Steelers offensive line. What's that going to look like? The Bengals pass rush versus the Steelers offensive line. Uh, I, I don't think too highly of most of these Steelers offensive linemen. I know some of them are young, can, t- can take a step forward. But I think Trey Hendrickson has a game. If I was going to bet, I think he gets five pressures and maybe and I would say over under half a over under a sack because I think he'll get one sack. I don't know if he can get two because Trubisky's pretty mobile, but at the same time, Trubisky doesn't get the ball out as quick as Ben. So I think Hendrickson has a game. Hubbard probably gets his against uh, a core four. I don't think that Reader and those guys are they're just not not, not the best pass rushers i think bj hill would be the best pass rusher of that group or if they move hubbard inside have osai come off the edge i mean what i'm expecting is that the Bengals defensive line kind of takes over the line of scrimmage in that situation i don't know what you're expecting between those two but that that is i think an advantage for the Bengals. Yeah, 100%. And and Dan Orlovsky, I think he's one of the best on ESPN when he breaks down all the plays. And and Trey was actually one of the top five top guys to watch this weekend when it comes to, you know, how important it is to have a good game. And I think with Trey alone, it's hard to repeat a great season. Uh, But you think about when the Bengals signed him in free agency over a year ago kind of the chatter oh he you know he he was okay he's no Carl Lawson he's not this guy I don't know how I feel about it. he's not going to do what he did with the Saints in Cincinnati and now you look at him and what he did last year and if he can just do repeat half of that or, or 80% of that um, this defense is in good shape and I still feel it'll be underrated even going into week one and just this season alone with Trey Hendrickson but now we get to predictions we're going to get to that in our next segment that's going to be my favorite of of the week because we'll always have audio if we're wrong or for right. Super Bowl predictions, Bengal Steelers week one, 
We'll get our guy Nick Berlansky back on to see his prediction. Bengals-Steelers next on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati.